Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. All right, everybody. We're going to dive in here now. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. I am really excited to press into another chapter in the story and narrative of David today. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 8. I'm going to be reading from the new, or excuse me, from the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, really, I love uh, chapters like this because as we've been soaping together and going through the story of David, everywhere from not too long ago, he was in a shepherd's field, it feels like for us. And then he is now king over Israel, right? Started with Judah. Now it's the whole country of Israel moves the ark back to where it belongs and God makes a covenant with David. And now David is taking back the land that the Lord wanted Israel to take all the way back when they first got to the promised land. So it's really cool to kind of see how the story of David has unfolded. And now we're going to press into his victories that he had been getting as king over Israel and then the significance behind those victories and kind of a couple little details in here that I want to just talk about with you guys today. So as always, uh, questions or thoughts, anything that you have drop inside of the chat, would love to talk to you about it. Um, there's a lot of meat and some hidden stuff in this chapter that I just love for us to expose together today. So let's pray and we're going to dive in. Father, thank you for everyone uh, that's listening now and that's listening later. Holy Spirit, I just pray that uh, you would illuminate the word of Jesus to us today. God, show us something different about the word today. God, help us uh, see you so clearly. And God, help us to not only see you and see the text, but to apply it to our life. So, Lord, we just welcome you into this time. We ask this in praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. All right, here we go. Second Samuel chapter 8, starting in verse 1. After this, David defeated the Philistines, subdued them, and took Methek Amah from Philistine control. He also defeated the Moabites, and after making them lie down on the ground, he measured them off with a cord. He measured every two cord lengths of those to be put to death and one full length of those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's subjects and brought tribute. David also defeated Hadadazar, son of Rope. Rehob, king of Zobah. When he went to restore his control at the Euphrates River, David captured 1,700 horsemen and 20,000 foot soldiers from him, and he hamstrung all the horses and kept 100 chariots. When the Arameans of Damascus came to assist King Hadadazar of Zohab, uh, sorry, Zobah, David struck down 20,000 Aramean men. Then he placed garrisons in Aram of Damascus, and the Arameans became David's subjects and brought tribute. The Lord made David victorious wherever he went. David took the gold shields of Hadadazar, Hadadazar's officers and brought them to Jerusalem. King David also took huge quantities of bronze from Betha and Berai, 
Hadadazar's cities. When King To of Hamath came, excuse me, heard that David had defeated the entire army of Hadadazar, he sent his son Jeram to King David to greet him and to congratulate him, because David had fought against Hadadazar and defeated him. For To and Hadadazar had fought many wars. Jeram had items of silver, gold, and bronze with him. King David also dedicated these to the Lord. Along with the silver and gold he had dedicated from all the nations he had subdued, from Adam, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Amalekites, and the spoil of Hadadazar, son of Rob, king of Zobah. David made a reputation for himself when he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in Salt Valley. He placed garrisons throughout Edom, and all the Edomites were subject to David. The Lord made David victorious wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel, administering justice and righteousness for his people. Joab, son of Zariah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Alud, was court historian. Zadok, son of Atub and Amalek, uh, son of Abathar, were priests. Zariah was court secretary. Benaiah, son of Jehodia, was over the Kithites and Pelathites. And David's sons were chief officials. Whew. All right. Chapters like this, I'll tell you what, they they will test your Hebrew really well. <laughs> How well can you pronounce names? <laughs> um, but no, really good stuff. Love, uh, again, really love chapters like this that press into uh, just the victories, right? Because even in, I'd say, the interjection of a chapter like this, it's kind of funny how it's just placed in here, right? We kind of just, all of Second Samuel, for the most part, is really big historical events, right? Again, you have everywhere from, uh, civil war inside of Israel, David getting anointed as king, the assassination of some high leading people, right? David moves the ark, uh, the covenant, and then we have David's victories. All of a sudden, we have just this chapter of, hey, this is what he's doing now as king placed in here after all these huge monumental things. And it speaks to me saying that God feels as though that this chapter is very monumental to the story of Israel and the story of his people and David. Because what the Lord wanted Israel to do when they first got to the promised land, here was David now finally accomplishing that. And I think that's kind of uh, the Lord showing us that when we want to live a life of victory, it's a life that honors him, right? It's a life that's obedient to him. So David right here is living a life obedient to the Lord, even though he's king, is living out at war like God has called him to live. So let's break this thing down. We're going to start in the beginning and work our way through. So the very beginning, David defeats the Philistines, and he measures off two groups, uh, and well, three groups in total, uh, at a time of the Moabites. So two groups are put to death, and one group is kept alive. Uh, something kind of interesting about areas of scripture that pertain to this. So Shan and I always love having robust conversations about the difficult things to talk about in scripture. Uh, if there's anything that she is going to challenge on, it's why is this difficult to understand? I love my wife. She makes sure that my Bible schooling stays on point and sharp at all hours of the day. <laughs> because, you know, all of the beautiful conversations as, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, when your eyes are finally starting to rest and you're falling asleep, and then suddenly the question comes out, 
why were they at war so much in the Old Testament? And then for me, I can't help but talk about it. So areas like this, uh, her and I came to a settling of this is what we really believe. You know, we see some theologians that also agree with it at a place where it says that the Israelites are putting people to death or God is calling them to go to war with different countries. Why does God do that? God is doing that because he wants to show the militant nature that we're supposed to have on sin. He's showing us that the greatest enemy of us, right, is the enemy of our soul, correct, and the enemy of our eternity, but also the sin inside of our life, the very thing that keeps us away from God. So when I look at areas like this where there's the Israelites at war with people, what God is really illustrating to us is that he wants us to be at war against the sin inside of our own lives. To take it so seriously that we're not allowing any of it to dwell inside of the land of our heart and the land of our life, correct? So right here, it kicks it off and it shows us, hey, David was going directly after the the sin, the left inside the land of Israel, the people that were there that were living such wild lives and such a horrible lives. You know, the life of the Moabites, it was horrific, the things that they did, but David measures off two cords and leaves one left to be kept alive so that they could actually bring tribute to Israel, right? So that David would have something to offer God when he went to go dedicate gold and different things to him. Verse three continues on. David also defeated Hadadazar, son of Roab, right? Fun name to pronounce. He captures some of them and kept some chariots. It goes on that he defeats another, right? The Arameans of Damascus came to assist King Hadadazar, and David struck them down too. Right here, David is going through everybody. <laughs> when I was studying this chapter uh, about a week ago for today, I'm looking at it cracking up. I was like, man, David has no pro. He wants to smoke with everyone. <laughs> like, And if you're a, a Gen Z, you know, that's a Gen Z youth term. So he wants to smoke with everyone. Uh, he wants to fight everybody. He is good taking back what belongs to God right here. And what I found so interesting is that David lived a life filled with adversity. Uh, David gets pulled from his dad's shepherd's uh, uh, area and gets pulled right into a, a world of war, right? He gets anointed as king, and then suddenly Goliath is here, right? And not suddenly, but shortly after Goliath shows up. And David knew a life of war and running most of his life. Yet, I think it's really awesome that God will use adversity to become our greatest stability. So David was facing adversity all of his life because we can get to chapters like this inside of the Bible where in verse six, it finally says the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. And when I read that verse, at first, I was kind of creating like a little talk for us today where I was going to say, man, if you want God's victory inside of your life, you have to live a life that honors God and obedience to him. And while that may be true, I think sometimes we have to remember that adversity is what became David's stability because David went through everything and anything to become victorious wherever he went. Can I get an amen from somebody? You see, we sometimes we're not willing to go through the harder things so we can have the easier things later on, right? So David's adversity was everything from betrayal, everything from war constantly, everything from running to hiding. And here he is finally coming out of some adversity, still facing adversity, but God had trained his fingers for war. 
the book of Psalms, it says that David was actually created as a person through the orchestrated events. While God didn't want David to go through betrayal, God will certainly use it. While God didn't want David to run everywhere away from Saul, God will certainly use it. And all of that adversity becomes became David David's stability. And here, David's stability was, I have an inner uh, strength and inner perseverance to follow God no matter what anyone says and no matter what comes up against me. And here you see you have different armies coming up against David and Israel. And it's a perfect example that when you follow God's instructions, God will take care of the obstructions, right? So David was living a life pleasing to God. Right here, he's doing what was commanded of him far, excuse me, of Israel far before David ever even got on the scene. And then he's here finally saying, God, I'm going to do what they were supposed to do. I'm going to make sure that this nation, as I lead them, honors you. And the Lord made David victorious everywhere, every single place he went. And I like how it goes on in verse 7. David took gold shields of Hadadazar's officers and brought them to Jerusalem. You see, David's first thought after God made him victorious was, let me bring what he gave me back to him. Let me take what belongs to God and give it to God. You know, we could talk about the tithe all day long, right? Where we have our income, our money that comes into our pocket. And the first thing that David did was demonstrate to us how what belongs to God belongs to God. Can I get an amen from somebody? <laughs> I've shared so many stories about the tithe and giving when during our SOAP conversations. But this is another great example of how it's a revealer of the heart more than it has to do with dollars and cents. Because David was living a life that was honoring to God, which is why God gave him victory wherever he went. So it goes on. And I think this area, it almost snuck past me um, when I was looking through it. Verse 9, King To of Hamath heard that David had defeated the entire army of Adedazar. So he went, uh, sent his son Joram to King David to greet him and to congratulate him because David had fought against Adedazar and defeated him. For To and Adedazar had fought many years. So when I was reading this, something smacked me in the face, and I think it's for some of us today, and that is to find battle buddies. Because right here, King To had a rivalry with King Hadedazar, yet King David was also going to take out King Hadedazar, yet To had never reached out to him to become an ally. And as I was reading this, it kind of illuminated for me yesterday, we had our See You at the Pole for our school systems yesterday. So if you don't know what this is, see you at the poll happens at public and private schools and at the flagpole outside of the school, students, teachers, uh, pastors, if they come out, are welcome to come uh, pray at flagpoles outside of schools. And we, you know, myself, uh, some of the other youth leaders on our youth team went out to see you at the poll and we're standing outside of uh, our public high school, EHD high school. And I looked at some of our youth leaders and I was like, all right, if you see one of ours, I don't care where they are, grab them. <laughs> Y'all, we were taking backpacks off of kids' backs to make sure they came to pray. It was amazing. We made sure that they were coming over to pray at this poll. And we they're coming off of the buses. We're grabbing them off of the buses, knowing that they're ours, saying, all right, come on, you come to Fusion Youth, get over this pole, get over to the flagpole, get over the flagpole. And what was amazing was people started asking, what's going on over here? And we said, this is see you at the poll prayer. 
were praying over the public school. And a lot of people started coming over and we started just asking questions. Hey, what church do you go to? Like, you know, have you ever been to one of these before? And they would say, yeah, I go to such and such church or yes, I'm a Christ follower. I didn't know we had this many Christ followers inside of our school. And it this was the story for a lot of them. There were so many students that showed up because we started grabbing other students and saying, go get your friends, go get your friends, go get your friends. And suddenly they're pulling everyone. From, I don't even know where these kids were coming from at this point. There was groups and droves of them and gigantic pack around this flagpole. And when we were closing out prayer, I had them all look at each other. And I just said, look to the person to the left, look at the person to the right. Now look around. Is there a face that you don't recognize here inside of this group? And 90% of them said yes, right? I mean, EHD high school is massive, but 90% of them said, yeah, there's people we don't recognize. And I said, okay, this is now your battle buddy. These are the people that you get to win this school for Jesus for. And what I found amazing was because when I was reading this passage, right, nine and 10, King Toe heard that David defeated the army of Adedazar. I have a feeling Toe had no idea that David was warring or feuding with Hadadazar to conquer the land. But when we find out who our battle buddies are, the ones that are in the trenches with us, right, for all of us, the ones that are in our workplace that are Christ followers, that we may have no idea that they're Christ followers, I'm telling you, there is something that happens that God does when you start standing in unity with the other Christ followers in your workplace, in your family, in your friend groups. I want to tell you, God has placed battle buddies in front of you that you don't even see yet. And I want to encourage you, you might feel alone inside your workplace. You may feel alone in your friend groups because (laughs) you know what it's like, (laughs) right? And you know the conversations that are had, the things that happen. However, I want to tell you, there's a battle buddy there for you to win over the people inside your workplace. When I was working, I love sharing my restaurant stories. But when I was working in restaurant, um, I remember I got there. I was a newer Christ follower when I was working there, but I was still on fire for Jesus. I started you know, trying to win people to Jesus constantly. But when I first got to working in this restaurant group, it was as corporate as corporate gets. Nothing against corporations, but it was as corporate as it gets. And we were not even allowed to say, God bless you when I got there. Inside of the handbook, it said, you may only say bless you. Because if you say, God bless you, it could offend people. And I just shook my head. I was was a brand new Christ follower. And I was still like, what in the world is this? Like, let's get a grip. Come on. So uh, I see this and I'm thinking, okay, how can we get through this? I thought when I was working there, I was the only Christ follower for the longest time. It took me close to a year to find out that someone else was following Jesus in that place. And as we're, as I'm trying to evangelize, as people are starting to get saved, as you know, things are starting to change, right? Suddenly the standards start to change. You know, I can say, God bless you. You know, I can pray for people on my shift. It's incredible. Excuse me. Out of nowhere, one of the uh, chefs in the back comes up to me one day and just says, I need you to know I've been praying for you for years. And I thought, where do I know you from? And they said, no, you don't understand. I've been praying for someone to show up here to win this place over for years. I've been praying for a battle buddy. Fusion Church, I want to tell you, you are that battle buddy. You are the person that someone's been praying for to change someone else's life. And I think sometimes, you know, we kind of get stuck in the motions. We get caught in the everyday. 
going to work, doing our thing, right? But I want to tell you, you are the world changer and game changer someone's been praying for. Because I have a feeling Toe was probably praying for David or somebody to take down Hadadazar at some point. And here he is finally going to war against him. Do not grow weary in doing good. And don't grow weary in praying for a battle buddy. Because once you get that person in the trenches with you to rub shoulders with, to win them for Christ, everything changes. So uh, I had a... uh, Oh, what am I thinking? Sorry. I have a little quote I would love to share with you. It is from Ella Wheeler Wilcox. It's a little poem. It goes, there's two kinds of people on earth today. Just two kinds of people. No more, I say. Not the sinner and the saint, for it's well understood. The good are half bad and the bad are half good. No, the two kinds of people on earth, I mean, are the people who lift and the people who lean. And inside of this poem, the people who lift, the people who lean. It's demonstrating that when you become battle buddies, come into relationship, come into the body of Christ, right? We don't want to just be people who lean all the time. We don't want to be the ones that are constantly putting weight on, the ones that are sitting around, the ones that are doing, what how do you say, next to nothing, right? But we want people who lift people up. We want to be the ones who lift and encourage and take to the next level. Here, I love this because David is taking to the next level. And here, David is coming into a relationship with Tov Hamath over a common enemy, but it's because they're living for a common cause. And that right here is that the Lord is going to be victorious. So Toe uh, has David brought, or excuse me, his, uh, Toe has his son Joram bring David items of silver, gold, and bronze. Verse 11, David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold he had dedicated from all the nations he had subdued. This was fairly convicting for me when I was praying through this last night, because as I was praying through this, I started to think dedicated, dedicated, dedicated. What does it truly mean to be dedicated, right? Dedicated says you have all of, right? And as I was praying through this, I felt the Lord really challenging me saying, okay, I had all of King David. So therefore I had all of what King David put his hands on. And I think this is something that could be fairly convicting for us today, because at times when it comes to sharing faith, when it comes to evangelizing, leading people to Jesus, let's say even inviting them to church, sometimes the Lord does not have all of me inside of this. But here, this is why David has so many victories. David, or excuse me, the Lord had all of David. So therefore, David was dedicated and dedicated everything to the Lord. And I want to ask you, if if you were to honestly assess your life, assess your decisions, assess everything you have going on, how dedicated do you believe you are to God? And this could be a difficult question. All of us might be in different places. I remember Pastor Brennan shared... um, you know, maybe like three months ago, uh, and he was going through like the different stages of following Christ. And he had everything to, you know, I'm a brand new Christ follower to, yeah, you know, I include God into my everyday decisions. And, you know, we're not talking about perfection when it comes to dedicated. What we're just talking about is willingness to give ourselves over to God. And uh, as I was kind of studying dedication, looking at this chapter, I came across a quote that goes, God could do more with one man who's 100% dedicated to him than 100 men 90% dedicated to him. And all I thought was every percent matters. Every little bit matters to God. Because when remember we share in the beginning, 
Many times our greatest adversity will become our greatest source of stability. God will use absolutely anything and everything where he's looking to become first in. He will use anything and everything where he's looking to have dedicated to him to show himself strong and to make you victorious wherever you go. David was dedicating the silver and the gold and the bronze to the Lord because David himself was dedicated to the Lord. But if you remember when King Saul was in this position, King Saul had a hard time dedicating and handing things over to God. Instead of handing it over to God and dedicating it to the Lord, he would erect statues for himself, right? And Saul was so uh, lacked so much self-awareness as to what he was doing that he had no idea that he was just erecting statues of his own pride. But David didn't want to follow in those same footsteps. Instead, as David was getting victory after victory, he was taking everything that he got from the victory and turning it back over to the Lord. So David, in verse 13, made a reputation for himself. When he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in the Salt Valley, he placed garrisons throughout Edom and the Edomites were subject to David. The Lord, once again, made David victorious wherever he went. I like this. David made a reputation for himself. This is something else I would love you to assess yourself. What is your reputation before people today? If the, let's say the people at your work, your friends, your family were to take a little assessment about your reputation, what would they say about you? And we're not here to please people, right? We're not here to go ahead and try and, uh, uh, how do I put it? We'll just keep uh, people pleasers. We're not here to be people pleasers. We want to please God. But I also know when our ways are pleasing to God, he makes even our enemies to be at peace with us, right? So David made a reputation for himself. And his reputation was that verse 15, as he's reigning over all of Israel, administering justice and righteousness for all his people. David was pleasing to God, therefore the people were pleased with him. And it was remarkable how David continued to love the Lord and give God his first dedication. Therefore, he did right by the people that he was serving as king. This is convicting to me. Because as I was reading it, I just started to think about my own personal reputation and what would people think and say about us. Now, of course, we don't want to be people pleasers, but there's also a great assessment of what could I work on to go ahead and start being a little more like Jesus. And as I was looking at myself, my own life, as I was looking at the lives of the people around me, I started to think the number one thing that we could use more of is the love of Jesus inside of our own actions and our own decisions. Because the love of Jesus is the game changer for absolutely everything, Fusion Church. Because the love of Jesus, as the Bible says, they will know us by our love for one another. And when I look at the body of Christ sometimes, and I just had a conversation with another pastor recently. Uh, him and I were just talking about the church. We were talking about the body of Christ in general. You know, what's going on in the capital C church? You know, we could talk about little C church here at Fusion, but the capital C church, uh, you know, nationwide, uh, worldwide. And uh, I noticed as he was kind of continually starting to throw jabs and throw some punches at some of the uh, different churches that might be, you know, larger, whatever it may look like. And I started to throw in there. I said, hey, man, listen, I, I hear you. I hear your frustration. But at the same time, for me, my role is to love the body of Christ. God's going to work it out. God is going to be the one to go ahead and be the judge and figure out his own church. They are his long before they're mine. And he said, yeah, but, 
you know, it, it kind of just drives me crazy that they keep doing this, 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 and this. I said, yeah, I understand it drives you crazy. But always remember, they will know we are Christ followers by our love. And the love is the exact thing that where David was looking at all of Israel, ministering justice and righteousness, was the root as to why he was doing what he was doing. He did right by anyone and everyone that was inside of the kingdom of Israel because, number one, he was dedicated to God. He had been tried, tried, and tried again by his circumstances and situations. So I want to tell you, everything you're going through is not an accident. The Lord is using it to make you look more like him. And God is using it to work out that sin stuff that we're meant to be militant against, right? That we're meant to stand against. And everywhere you go, God will give you victory because of the character and person he's made you into. And then as you're inside of that position, we minister justice and righteousness for all people. And right here, we see David and the throne of Israel get set up in a place inside of its history where victory after victory was meant to be its lifestyle. Where anytime it went to war, it was meant to be standing against war and against sin that was trying to infiltrate inside of the nation. And then going forward in chapters to come, we're going to notice as David falls into the temptation of kings, but, 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 but. The Lord is so faithful to forgive, and the Lord created someone who is after his own heart. And I want to close with this right here. One of the most famous things that said about David in all of his life was that David was a man after God's own heart. And we could see this of how he was dedicated as king to war against the things that would come up against the nation, to live a life that was pleasing to God at all times, and have God make him victorious everywhere he goes. But David messed up a whole lot. If you read the story of David, just just him through and through, you will notice David was a wicked, wicked, wicked man at times. He would make mistakes that some of us would consider unforgivable. Yet David decided that he was going to live a life that was pleasing to God and still be a man after God's own heart in spite of the mistakes that he made. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you go, just be a person that is after the heart of God. And that, that is after connecting the heart of people to the heart of God. And I want to encourage you, every if you do that and you have that in your mind, inside your heart, everywhere you go and everything you do, God will make you victorious wherever you go. Because I, Jesus is obsessed with saving souls. He is obsessed with connecting people to him. And here, this is less of a story of David warring against people, but more of Israel warring against sin, finding partners to come alongside it and getting victory everywhere it goes because Jesus is always victorious over sin. Can I get amen from somebody? Awesome. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that we have your word. That God, that you want to make us victorious wherever we go. But sometimes we have to go through the same process that David went through. That we have to go through adversity to have stability. That God, that you are placing battle buddies along the way for us to connect with, to rub shoulders with. That God, these battle buddies are going to help us win the world for you. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us have victory everywhere we go. And God, help us to live lives that are pleasing to you, fully dedicated to you, 100% given over to you. So whenever anyone looks at us, they don't see us. They just simply see you, Jesus. And we know we'll mess up. And that's why there is grace along the way and grace along the journey. 
So Lord, help us just to continue having our minds and hearts stayed on the fact that we are people after your own heart in spite of us. So Holy Spirit, I just pray, give us a grace today to live for you. Give us a grace to to win people to you. And we ask this and pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. All right, everybody. God bless you. Have a great Thursday.